0: Wow, Tucker just went totally nuclear, totally nuclear on his former employer. I can't wait to share these comments with you. We're going to get into that, everyone. Plus, oh, well, um, it, it seems that Bud Light, it, it wants to try and win back, you know, all those Friday voters. that didn't want to have anything to do with drinkers. I should say voters. <laughs> you could tell we're in a political season. Anyway, this new plan, I got to tell you, it smacks of total desperation. Desperation all around. Meanwhile, coming from, oh, the president, the president who, I don't know, is he channeling Mitch McConnell these days? Because, you know, we know he has his moments right now, but this was not good. This was not good. He was speaking there about the hurricane and it, he suddenly just didn't really even seem to know where he was. So we got to talk about all of that. Welcome to the Trish Regan Show. Great to have you here. We are here live as always. And I uh, I, I just want to say it's great to have you and I hope that you subscribe and this is a whole new this is a whole new world, shall we say, as we are all learning together. It is good to have you here. We're sponsored in part by legacypminvestments.com. If you're worried about inflation, if you're trying to diversify into things like gold or silver, these are the guys that you should call 18665890560. They'll help you out. I think you can get a free gold guide if you go online, legacypminvestments.com. Again, 1-866-589-0560. Okay, so this is kind of a big deal because he kind of just shot his mouth off a bit in ways that I I can't imagine the Fox management will necessarily appreciate. But he's not not entirely wrong, but he's also not entirely right. So I'm going to share the comments with you. He basically took a dig at the female management that's there. And I, I don't disagree that they have a major management problem. I've told you guys about that over and over again. In fact, that was entirely my experience, which was not fun, not fun, not fun at all. I mean, I I, 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 I can feel and, and sense where he's going with this. But there's also more to this story. And, and I'll explain because these people that he's alluding to, well, there there were some other folks behind them. Let's let, let's just play it and then we can we can dive in. So here's Tucker Carlson, who is really, you know, just um willing to to say it all and bear it all and go, if you would, a little nuclear on the management team that used to run the place. Here he is speaking with his friend Dave Portnoy, who who used to be on Fox or is like always on Fox. I don't know if he's gonna be doing so many Fox business appearances these days anyway take a listen to what tucker had to say
1: let me ask you this before the fox unwinded and I mean i got fired yes <laughs> did you think you like were you a uh, ardent like go fox go guy or do you... my view on fox hasn't really changed they let me say whatever i want whatever i wanted really for 14 years and I, i'll never stop being grateful for that and then obviously i said too much and i'm not exactly sure what i said that was bad no one ever told me but one day they're like oh can't have this anymore and they fired me and i even told them as they were firing me like it's your business i made a betzel never work for anyone else again and, I'll, and i never will but um i can't be mad about it i mean they were they were great to me the murdochs were always nice to me and uh And one day, for whatever reason, they'd had enough. So I wasn't, my feelings weren't hurt. I was not expecting it. So were you, like, for for me, when I was with Penn, I knew there were things, it's like, oh, I can't go there. They made that clear. Did you feel like at Fox, you could say whatever you want? Well, there was always internal, I mean, the Murdochs were always nice. They never got in my way at all. They were always super nice to me. But there were, you know, small, it's a company run by fearful women. You know what I mean? And there were always, like... (laughs)
0: Okay. So that's, um, that's not going to land well with some people. It's a company run by fearful women. And he kind of just threw that in there. And Dave Portnoy was like, yeah, yeah. You know, again, I I have a feeling his appearance on Fox and Friends may just be canceled tomorrow (laughs) because he's agreeing with him. What I would like to just sort of add to that is listen, it doesn't matter, right? If you're male or female, if you are fearful, you are bad management. Period. And we had some very fearful people over on the Fox Business side that were not female. And they were very fearful. So I think fear is the underlying factor here. I'm just going to say, like, you know, it's funny, like, he's taking a dig at women, and I get it, like, he's got a demo. But I'm going to tell you, it goes, it's bigger, broader than that, because these are people that are fearful. And fear is a really debilitating thing, especially within an organization. Organizations need to be run by those generals, right? And you need somebody out in front that can kind of take the heat and manage the Murdochs, so to speak. I mean, the Murdochs don't want to have to be the bad guy telling Tucker, you can say this, you can't say that. They'll call whoever they need to call. And they did. Now, what's interesting is they they, they believe that a woman was, was running the place. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think that she was there and is still there in name to run the place and to give the place like a new look, a new facade. Oh, isn't this great? We have a female CEO at Fox News. Aren't we great? But is she really running the joint? See, when I was there, I I got the sense that, well, one, she she was in over her head. I mean, this was so far beyond. She started as secretary, had worked there many, many years, had worked her way up to executive producer, and I'm sure was a a talented producer. But there is a difference between being a producer on one show and managing an entire network, right? Two totally different things. And it, it takes a certain gift, if you would, to manage a big network like that. I've talked about it before. I mean, talent... They're not easy to deal with, and they call us talent for a reason, right? So you, you have all these big personalities, and everybody wants resources, and everybody's fighting for their time. Everybody's fighting for their guests, and you have to manage that. And if you don't, then it gets a little off the rails, and that's what led perhaps to the Dominion stuff. But what I think was really going on, and I, I don't know this for certain, but I can tell you from my own perspective, when I was there, the place was a free-for-all And there were a bunch of little fiefdoms and everybody had very sharp elbows. This is when the current management that would be Suzanne Scott, who's there now, when she was in charge. I mean, it just kind of came all apart and you could feel it. You could sense it. And when you have that kind of uncertainty and people don't feel like they have a strong leader, then they get really aggressive in really negative ways. But there, there was a leader sort of behind the scenes and he's not there anymore he 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 got fired like um, I don't know two, um, two three weeks ago maybe earlier this month around the time that they released their earnings and that would be a gentleman by the name of Viet Dinh I never say his name right but I'll spell it for you V I E T D I N H Viet Dinh so he is actually somebody who used to work in the administration uh, for Bush and he actually was the guy who's the architect. Of the Patriot Act. I just throw that out there because it's kind of interesting to know. Anyway, this gentleman was kind of the the, the sort of head honcho for what Fox could do, what it couldn't do. And again, he's sort of behind the scenes too. And I have a feeling he had a very heavy hand with Suzanne, who was then put in charge of managing the place. And it's kind of hard to manage the place when you get all this talent, right, wanting to do different things. And then you got this guy who's the chief legal officer breathing down your back And by the way, this chief legal officer clearly was not very good at his job because it was under his leadership that the place winds up paying $787 million. Like a a quarter of a, three quarters of a billion to Dominion. And by the way, they, they haven't even gotten through Smartmatic. But this guy's there and I would bet He's making I gotta look this up because it it should be public information given it's a public company. But I would bet that he was making more than Suzanne Scott. He was making around eleven million bucks a year. So finally, like they settled this thing for $787 million. And somebody realizes, gee, you know, maybe this guy didn't do such a good job. And I do think that he had a very big impact. He was close to Paul Ryan and was sort of like trying to to massage things behind the scenes. So when Tucker talks about the censorship, was that coming from Suzanne or was that actually coming from Viet Dean? But it doesn't change anything. I mean, if you're CEO, right, and you're running around, you're kind of fearful of the chief legal officer, you're fearful of the Murdochs, etc., then you're not really able to do your job in the way that you need to be able to do because then you do get in a situation where you're paying $787 million to Dominion. So then um, I would just say this guy, they they get rid of him and they give him a $23 million parachute. So he gets that plus $2.5 million a year for two years. So 23 plus another five, he's got $28 million just walking out the door. <laughs> Hey, not bad, right? For a few years work, especially when you cost the shareholders so much money, $787 million going to Dominion. I mean, that was really and truly bad management. Now, if you want to blame it all on the women that were running the place that were so fearful, I would also say this. Why were they so fearful? And by the way, if they're fearful, then what the heck are they doing in the job? Male or female? Again, I ran across my share of men that were fearful at that organization too, and they're still there. So when you have fear that's just permeating the place, you can't actually go out and do your job, right? I mean, there's such a thing as being responsible as a journalist, but not being run by this fear that, okay, what what's coming? What's coming down the pike? You know, are they going to go after us? Are they going to take away are licensed to broadcast on our Fox affiliates. That's actually being talked about right now. And there's a lobbying group that's trying to do exactly that. Are you going to take it seriously when Chuck Schumer says that the entire problem with the country is Fox news and people like Tucker Carlson, are you going to get fearful then? Because if so, Tucker's going to get fired. Are you going to get fearful when Trish Regan comes out and says, you know what? Everybody's way overreacting to coronavirus. And we got to think about this in logical terms and not politicize it. You're going to say, okay, now we're cutting bait with her. I mean, like I, I feel for Tucker. I kind of, we're, we're, simpatico in that way because it's like, you know, okay, everything's uh, seemingly fine. You think you're fine. And all of a sudden you get a phone call. See ya. I'll see. All right. And I agree with him. No, no way. It's not worth working for anyone. Right. Again, if you have that, if you have that flexibility, it's sure worth it. But um, anyway, I I think it it was a little bit of a dig for sure, but it's not, it's not something that's specific to to women. Okay. It's, it's just not what he's really getting at the heart of is fear itself. And when you're so fearful, you can't do your job. I I, I don't know much about Mr. Viet Dean. By the way, here he is. I really don't. But again, I, I do know that he was the architect behind the Patriot Act, which is debatable on many levels from different perspectives, of course. And I know that he was being paid some 11 million bucks and that they paid him 23 million to get out the door plus another five. Wow. I mean, considering you lost your company, nearly $800 million, that's a heck of a deal. To walk away with. And in terms of the management itself, I'm not sure they're ever going to be able to fix this. I really don't. And I think that that's an organization that has kind of, well, jumped the shark, so to speak, in that anybody who's talented enough is going to leave. Anybody who can leave, they're not going to be able to pay these salaries going forward because the industry is changing so much. I mean, it's changing really quickly. And and this is a company that doesn't have the money it used to have because it's, it's paying it all to lawsuits so if the industry is changing and talented people have the opportunity to go direct to the customer, like I'm doing it, by the way, subscribe. If you haven't, I think we had the little subscribe thing up there. Um, make sure that you do subscribe to the show. I, I so appreciate it. it. It's great. And it's important right now. It's really important. So if you have this opportunity to be able to go direct to viewers, to listeners, then why would you ever work for a network? I mean, maybe if you want to get some experience under your belt, maybe if, 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 you, if you want to try and make a name for yourself, you might have that opportunity, but there's a lot of different ways to do it nowadays. And in order to keep, say, the Hannity's of the world there, they're going to have to figure out how to pay them. And I, I believe they do pay them a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, but they're also paying their chief legal counsel a lot. And it's not really working out. But anyway, if you want to keep paying these people, then you're going to have to, you're going to have, the money's going to have to come from somewhere. And this is turning into a business that is no longer a growth business. You've got Disney trying to shed all its TV assets and its legacy television industry businesses, right? Because it's no growth anymore. They know that streaming is the future. And so if you're Fox, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to just like, continue to print money as long as I can. This is what some networks, if you look at the news divisions, right, at at ABC News or NBC News, CBS News, and they're running on such thin margins. They're not going to make a lot of money in these things, so they keep cutting back and cutting back and cutting back. And as you cut back on those resources, the talent that you're going to be able to bring in the door, whether it's for the CEO, whether it's for the 9 or 8 p.m. news host, it is not going to be as exceptional as what you might have been able to get in the old days, right? So that's just the reality. I, I do think it's poorly managed, but I don't think there's really a way out for them. The CNN had the same thing. I mean, they, they brought in somebody who seemed to have a vision but landed himself in, you know what? Like, he just kept stepping in it over and over again over at CNN. And now they get a new guy who's coming from The New York Times, so we know his biases, And the question is going to become, can he sort of rally the troops? Will he have all of those anchors on his side? And not only will he have them on his side, but will they respect his word? Because if you're a CEO and they don't respect your word because they think you're fearful, then you know what? The organization is going to have problems. And I, I just think that that's where Fox finds itself right now. And uh, I wouldn't entirely blame it on the ladies. I would say that there's plenty of blame to go around, including with the guy who was probably breathing down their neck, that chief legal officer who was probably scared to death, rightly so, apparently. But when you create that kind of chaos and that kind of pressure, it leads to other problems. This is like a lesson in management today. What do you know? We're getting back to our roots here, right, in business I've always been in business and as a business reporter at CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business, of course. And, uh, you know, this is my love and passion. So I'm going to have to talk with you in just a little bit about some of the comments we heard from the president today regarding our economy. Oh, boy. You know, he's a guy who needs a class in economics, shall we say. Anyway, before we get to that, um, we've been talking, of course, about Fox. And Fox is, is challenged right now because it doesn't entirely know, I think, who it is, what it is, how it can evolve in this changing landscape, especially when you have got pressure from, you know, little upstarts like Newsmax. Again, under really solid management, they'd be looking out for those, those upstarts. I, I I, I, I remember once hearing that, that Fox was very, very worried about Newsmax. This was under previous management. I always thought, why? Like, this was back when Newsmax was not live, and it had you know radio hosts doing shows, and it was just, it was all, it was like public access TV, and it wasn't even live, right? Like, so it was like really kind of low-budget stuff. This is years ago. I mean, maybe six, seven years ago. I'm like, why would they be worried about Newsmax? Well, you know what? smart management would be smart management recognizes the threat coming before the threat actually hits. Well, now it's here. And now you get a lot of people putting their eyeballs on Newsmax, a lot of people over here with me. Again, don't forget to subscribe. It's great to have you here on Facebook or on YouTube. Rumble as well. You know what? This is a big part of the future. And so you're going to see a lot of viewers divert to these streaming places. Or, you know, they, they may just, uh, They may just, you know, they've also got an aging demographic, so we won't go there. But anyway, Fox has a whole series of problems. And unless they're able to really keep up and stay nimble and have the right person in place that has everyone's back and can kind of anticipate the future before it actually hits them, I think it's going to be just a, a, you know, slow trickle down. It's it's not, it's not going to be an easy path. The company will still do fine, right? they make a ton of money and they'll continue to make money for a while. But is that where you think you're going to be in 20 years? I mean, is that the future of content and television? No, it's just not. So dying industry. A good one to be out of. I, I, I appreciated what Tucker said. Uh, he and I will have to talk about that sometime. Anyway, turning right now to Bud Light. Bud Light, another company, as I said, that just doesn't know its way. Bud Light is like perfect. You know, This should be a case study and perfect example of what not to do. Over and over and over again, they keep making the wrong moves. Well, now they're, they're getting really desperate. So they've come up with a new idea to try and reel back in. Oh, what do you know? Those Those very beer drinkers that they never wanted. Remember? I mean, Alyssa Huntersch, she told us, we don't want them. What what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and
1: feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm -hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work, and we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor, and it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach.
0: Ah, you just need a whole new approach—a whole new approach to destroy forty billion dollars worth of market cap. When when will these people learn? When will they start to respect? Their viewers, their customers, when will they get that you don't bite the hand that feeds you, for goodness sake, Alyssa, who went to Harvard, like the CEO went to Harvard. And I just say this needs to be a Harvard case study because whoever they're graduating there from their business school or their undergrad needs to have a better sort of framework for how not to completely, you know what, off your customer, which is what she did And now they find themselves having gone from the number one beer in the country to, well, definitely not the number one beer. In fact, sales just keep dropping. We got new numbers in again, and it's unbelievable. Every week, they're lower, they're lower, they're lower, they're lower, and everybody else is picking up. By the way, beer sales overall are up 2.2%. So it's not like you can say, well, you know, people are switching to wine or they're drinking spritzers. No, they're still drinking beer. In fact, they're drinking more beer. They're just not drinking Bud Light. So you want to know what Bud Light's big idea is? They're getting into football. I told you about this a couple weeks ago. But in this particular case, they're trying to go out to the colleges because they want to actually get the very same drinkers. They want those frat boys. They want them all back. So here's the plan. Bud Light unveils specialty cans for Georgia football. Okay, Georgia Southeastern football. They got a big game coming up, so now they've got these specialty cans, and they must have done some kind of great big deal with, with the team and with the the, the school, because it seems that all of the players are going to be on these cans at Georgia Southern, and they're going to give out lots of this free beer. <laughs> they can't give it away, as we say, and the thinking is, well, you got to show some school spirit. And if you have like a little QR code, which all the beer cans will have, you can scan it for a chance to win a private plane trip right above the stadium. How do you like that? So the irony of this is they are desperately, desperately, desperately trying to go after those fratty boys, those, you know, fratty drinkers that they really so did not want. You know, careful, careful what you wish for guys, right? I mean, again, we were talking about Fox, and I understand Fox's need to try and diversify its audience and maybe bring in some new people. I mean, you always want to grow and expand your audience, but you don't do it by alienating the very people that got you there in the first place, right? And I think a series of things happened. Well, I mean, you can go back right back, I mean, you know, and you, you wonder how much of this was even Trump, in that the elites, so to speak, didn't want Trump to succeed there was a whole like series series of things that happened there at Fox that have sort of resulted in it now being an organization that I think the viewers don't fully trust and to me I look at it and say it's it's really a shame because it's clearly you know a tremendous company and there's lots of wonderful people there including by the way the CEO who is a wonderful wonderful woman and a mom and and doesn't deserve to be like thought of as just a woman, right? Like again, there's something else going on here. And I think that that's coming from the top. There's a fear factor. that's not enabling these people to really do their jobs. Fear is debilitating and an organization is crushed with all the fear and they have a lot of it. They don't know which way to turn. Now, why why is that? Again, leadership, bad leadership. Anyway, let me turn to somebody who doesn't have a lot of fear and is totally authentic Two people, actually. That would be Joe Rogan and Oliver Anthony. So, you know, Joe Rogan had Oliver Anthony come to his Comedy club there in Texas recently, and everybody was like, "Oh my gosh!" They couldn't believe it when he got up on stage and he sang. Oliver Anthony now has the number one and number two hits in country music. Just fantastic. Anyway, here he is talking about that authenticity, right, and what resonates. It, it, the good thing about the time we're in right now, everyone, is I do think people are getting back to basics in a way that's pretty important. Here I am, just talking to you. There's no, there's no teleprompter. There, there's no whiz-bang graphics. There's no music. It's just me and you. And I can see all of your comments. And I love, love having you here. We're going to get to the comments, actually, uh, towards the end of the program. So I do read them all. And, you know, this is, this is the future. Anyway, Oliver Anthony knows it. Joe Rogan knows it. And here they are talking about Karine Jean-Pierre and the fact that she's tweeting. For President Biden, it was exposed recently, and they're just having a really good laugh over this because, you know, Joe Biden's not tweeting. I don't think he's ever used Twitter in his life. I'm sure he has no clue how to use it. By the way, I know that President Trump does actually tweet and now does the truce himself. I, I, I actually remember I was in the Oval Office with him. We had just done an interview. He had actually sent out quite, quite a tweet about um, Stormy Daniels. And, and we won't go there. But anyway, he said something to me to the fact, you know, they don't they don't want me to tweet this. But, you know, I had to defend myself. I just had to. And, da, 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 and I'm like, oh, wow. Well, that's going to create a lot of news. Anyway, the point being, he literally had Twitter right on his phone right there. And he was tweeting himself. Compare and contrast, shall we say, with Mr. Biden, who definitely isn't tweeting. In fact, it's Karine Jean-Pierre who's doing it all for him as Joe Rogan gets and laughs about here
1: we go oh my god that's so crazy so of course when you read his tweets it sounds like her like she's got a very politician way of doing it There's, she's like an am radio <laughs> dj an am radio dj <laughs> well, version job, right like she's version a, of what a press secretary is yeah. like a politician because you know am ride. Right, here we are on the drive i'm mike and i'm with the rock you know or whatever with the fucking sidekick and maybe that's what attracted people to trump and maybe what attracts people to like um see it, like Thank God I haven't – especially now, at least I've got a good excuse not to keep up with politics anymore because I've got a few other more important things on my plate. But I think that's what attracts people to, like, that rough, raw, authentic type of speech. Like, it's not clean cut and it's not professional, but it's – at least, like you said, even with Bernie, which – Who knows? I don't know anything about Bernie, but uh, he's not polished. But at least what he's saying is like, at least you feel like he actually like at least he he actually believes it. Because you you look at you can look at politicians over a 15 year span and and like they'll quote something from like, oh, good God. think anybody, any politician from the 90s is going to have a lot different opinions on emotional triggers that we talk about today. Bro, Politicians from the 90s, from the Democratic Party sound like (laughs) totally
0: different. Oh, hear what Joe said? By the way, they're totally right. Right. Like this is this is the whole problem. And Bernie Sanders, you, you know, I, I don't agree with anything. Bernie Sanders says, I am a red-blooded American capitalist through and through. Live free or die in New Hampshire. Those are my roots where we still have no state income tax or sales tax. And yet somehow we managed to balance our budget and do just fine. Actually, uh, my, uh, right near my hometown was just named as the number two place to live in America. So, again, you don't have to tax people to death to make it work. You just have to be a little smarter with your resources. So, you know, Bernie Sanders, despite his politics, I will say this. This is a guy who has been a one-trick pony his whole career, and he believes it. He really believes in socialism, like full on, loves it, which should scare you, because this is comrade Bernie Sanders should scare you a lot, but at least he stands for something and at least he's consistent and that's important. By the way, as to, as to Joe saying that the the politicians from the nineties sounded like Nazis, I'm not so sure on that. I'm not so sure on that because you know who sounds like a complete fascist here is uh well none other than Hillary Clinton because I want to play you and I'm going to keep playing in this it's so important that you remember what she said in August of 2020 I could not believe my ears I literally fell off my chair like I I was like did she, did she really just say that I mean of course she did right because they say whatever they need to say and they'll bend the rules to fit them however they need them to fit and in this particular case She was telling one of her former PR people that Joe Biden should not give up. In other words, he should fight. He should have all the legal prep on standby with the election. Here she is saying this in August of 2020, right before November. She doesn't know the results yet. And this is what the comment was. Watch it.
1: You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch.
0: Oh, that's your tactic, huh? He'll eventually win if you don't give an inch. Of course, when Donald Trump and his legal team try to ask a few questions about some voting machines and try and figure out was this really fair in Georgia or Pennsylvania and some close areas when they try and take the tactic of maybe we shouldn't give an inch, maybe we should make sure that everything is full-on legit? They're suddenly now indicted <laughs> with 91 counts when it comes to the president. I mean, they're just indicting him for everything. And now in Fulton County, Georgia, they're going wall to wall. They want TV cameras in the courtrooms and the whole nine yards. <laughs> for none other than, um, well, September of 2024. You tell me what that's about. I mean, you heard her. She was willing to do whatever it took. She was advising Joe to have all his lawyers on standby. Al Gore did. Remember hanging chads in Florida? Like, if we're not in a position as a country to be able to say, okay, well, we can ask questions and we can, you know, trust but verify, to use a Reagan term, can, can we not have everything verified? And if we ask to have it verified, we're somehow now in, in violation of the law? This is getting a little wacky, okay? A little wacky, especially considering some other stuff that we've been learning about none other than Hunter Biden. There's some text, some text that, that the sister the, the sister somehow, no, forgive me, Hunter sent to his sister and that's been revealed saying that he's got to give pops 50% of his earnings. What's that? And why did he have 20 LLCs right after his dad became vice president? And why the heck was there 11 million dollars transferred into his accounts? This is reported by NBC News. Why was 11 million transferred in from Ukraine between the years 2013 and 2018? Why was he working on the board of Burisma getting $83,000? Let me tell you, $83,000 a month for a board job? A lot of board jobs, they don't even pay $83,000 a year. Like, that is mega bucks, like unheard of stuff. So if this was a quid pro quo, we kind of need to know about that. And instead, they're going after Donald Trump with one of the counts in Georgia being that he retweeted a, a, a tweet from OAN. <laughs> And that in doing so, you know, he's retweeting false misinformation. And I'm I'm just like, wow, like this is not this is not the America we know and love. And so back to Joe Rogan saying that, you know, in the 90s, the politicians, well, they all sound like Nazis now. No, I'd say that they sound pretty darn scary when I hear Hillary Clinton saying stuff like that. I'm going to play it again.
1: You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because i think this is going to drag out and eventually i do believe he will win if we don't give an inch
0: yeah yeah wow wow it tells you everything you need to know never forget i'm just i'm gonna play it from now all through 24 because we all need to remember um anyway back to, to how they were in the 90s look i actually think that they sounded like they made sense Back in the 90s. Here's Diane Feinstein. Poor lady. We can get into that in a second. But anyway, Diane Feinstein, back when they were trying to put through NAFTA, raising some very real and important concerns. She actually sounds smart. We are going to have a North American free trade agreement that Mexico must do its share. Because the day when America could be the welfare system... For Mexico is gone. We simply can't afford it. And I think you've seen the figures to state and local governments of what the cost is. It's over $2 billion in California alone. And I have those figures, if you want them in specific, uh, in my purse. Uh, and that's why the issue is now joined with 2 million illegal immigrants. It's, it's a competition for space. They had competition for space, and she said, we cannot be the welfare for Mexico. We cannot be the welfare for Mexico or for any other country, right, for that matter. And yet, what's actually happening? We're turning into that. I want to share with you an unbelievable clip coming to us from the local station in Chicago. So there, in Hyde Park. Residents are like, what is going on? You're given a six month free hotel stay to people coming into this country over the border that are getting, you know, shipped in. They get a free hotel for six months and we got homeless people on the street. We got kids that aren't learning math or how to read in school. We've got people that are, are really struggling. So how does this one make sense? Listen to this woman. It's really, really compelling and And we'll talk about it, because I'll tell you, the administration has no answer to this. I don't want them there. Take them someplace else or send them back to Venezuela. I don't care where they go. This is wrong. of black for
1: them? There were lots of fireworks
0: <laughs> over the migrants moving into the Lakeshore Hotel for six months, where 300 can be housed. Also, the city says it's a fluid situation, and it will need to revisit that timeline. Wow. And you know what? She's got a point. Like, charity starts at home, right? And we've got such a mess here before we go running around trying to fix everything in the world, can we not try to look inward for just a little bit? Take Ukraine. Regardless of what you think about Russia, Ukraine, I don't even want to go there. I want to talk about money. Because the president of the United States, who's now dealing with disasters from coast to coast, literally in Florida and in Maui, is proposing $40 billion of taxpayer money go to a few different places. Let me break it down. He's tying, you see, this disaster relief to Ukraine funding. He wants $12 billion to go to disaster relief here in the U.S. Okay. And $24 billion to go to Ukraine. I mean, really? We're not that dumb. 12 times 2 is 24. He wants twice as much money to go to Ukraine. And he wants another $4 billion to try and deal with the challenges at the border, which, according to Karine Jean-Pierre, the rocket scientist that she is, I love saying that. I mean, this is not... I Actually, I, I don't want to be unkind. She used to come on my, my show all the time, and I always appreciated it because it was hard to get Democrats on the show. were they scared of me i don't know like they they didn't always want to come on but kareen would come on and she was lovely but she was really sometimes out of her element even back then and now she's got the firing squad at her right and she's got to handle the press and they're like hey you know what's doing on the border and this is her reaction listen the president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else he really has yeah, he really has. You just keep saying it. it's just like you keep saying Bidenomics is working. Bidenomics is working. Bidenomics is working. You keep telling yourself that. Yet, oh dear, we got the unemployment report today. It doesn't look so good. I'll bring you those numbers. But first, here's why apparently Bidenomics is working, according to the president today.
1: Thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, which I might add, not a single member of the other party voted for. We're making the most significant investment in clean energy and combating the existential threat of climate change that's ever been made anywhere in the world.
0: Which is why Bidenomics is working, according to him, except that it's not. Inflation's up. The latest read has it up two tenths of a percent. And don't forget, it went way up. I mean, we were near double digits on the increase in consumer prices unbelievable. I think the final number was somewhere around 9.6%. It was up around 11% in terms of producer prices. And that was all under Joe Biden. So like we go way up and then he's like, oh, we're coming down. We're coming down. No, It's it's working. It's working. No, it's not working. We just got the latest reads back up. And by the way, you want to talk about problems. We're now looking at a stagflationary environment. Why? Oh, because you see the jobs numbers, they came out today. We saw 170, 187,000 jobs added to the economy in the month of August. That is not good, folks. All right. I'm just going to tell you, like for you to barely keep pace with population growth, you need to be adding around 400,000 jobs a month. So to get 187 is like not good, like not, not, not good. And you saw, of course, the tick upwards in the unemployment rate to 3.8%. This is Bidenomics for you. All that climate initiative stuff, all that money going into the system. Oh, it's really working. It's really working. Meanwhile, did you see him later on? So he also did this FEMA thing because he's he's running off to Florida because he's got to get down to Florida and prove to everybody he's not going to pull another Maui event. Don't want to have that happen again, right? So he's going to go to Florida. He announces this to reporters. But, oh, my goodness, I saw this. And it's a little uncomfortable to watch because you're like, oh, we just saw Mitch McConnell just the other day. Mitch McConnell, this is tragic stuff, right? Like at some point you get old and things happen. But in this case, these people that are getting old and things are happening, well, they're happening and they're still running the country, which is more terrifying. Here is Joe Biden telling reporters where he's going to Florida and then, then he's really struggling. Watch what happens after.
1: I am going to Florida. I am going to I'm going to Florida on Saturday morning. All right, thanks everybody. Where like am you? I do? going? to go
0: right this way. Secretary, right this way.
1: Doesn't, well, right this way. doesn't know where to go. All right, he's a little bit of news started there. Still. The president says he's going to go visit Florida.
0: And thank goodness the cameras were turned away. I mean, I, I actually, you know, regardless of what you think of Mitch McConnell, you, you can't help but feel bad for the guy when. He's clearly having, as they say, a senior moment, right? It's more than a senior moment. When that's happening on cameras, at least the president in that case, I guess, was turned around so you couldn't see the blank stare on his face, although we've seen it before. Anyway, he, he's he's up there in age. Every poll shows it. It'll be interesting to see if he makes it through. You know, Gavin Newsom is waiting in the wings. I think if the Democrats were smart, they would have primaried. Joe Biden, just like they should have primary Jimmy Carter, and you know they might have a shot with somebody like Newsom. Dare I say? I mean, I I don't really I don't I don't know as they I mean they'd have a better shot than they would with Biden. Let's be honest, like anybody but Biden, except for Kamala Harris. You definitely don't want Kamala Harris, <laughs> definitely. Um, but if you put Gavin Newsom in there, he's gonna have to deal with the whole California thing. Like nobody wants to work or live in California. I mean, if you've been to San Francisco lately, I was just talking to a friend who had just been out there. It is, I mean, it was bad 20 years ago when I lived there. It's really bad now, really, really bad. And you see all the companies pulling their operations out in Nordstrom's, which had been there for years and years and years, pulling out of union square. This is what's happening in places in California under the leadership of Gavin Newsom. So I don't think he has a great national platform, but it's gotta be better than Joe Biden's. Right. And, uh, in the meantime, you get the, the the extremists on the left trying to take out Donald Trump now, now using the Fourteenth Amendment. For goodness sakes, the Fourteenth Amendment—this is their new legal strategy—and the media is covering it. AP has a whole thing on how this could happen. I'm like, how 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 exactly would this work, guys? Let me let me show you the. The thesis coming to us from Mr. Robert Rice, former Labor Secretary under Clinton. Just, just watch a short clip of this.
1: Donald Trump should not be allowed on the ballot. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment prohibits anyone who has held public office and taken an oath to protect the Constitution from holding office again if they, quote, have engaged in insurrection against the United States. This key provision was enacted after the Civil War to prevent those who rose up against our democracy from ever being allowed to hold office again. This applies to Donald okay. Trump. He cannot again be entrusted. Hey, public I, I'm
0: office. sorry, but, like, where in those 91 counts? I mean, we're talking four cases now, everyone. Two federal, two state. And I don't see insurrection in there. I mean, look, I, I've been through all the cases, and and they haven't charged him with insurrection so where are you getting the 14th amendment stuff and the reason this is going to get really complicated keep in mind is you may have certain you may have certain states that say oh yeah like we're we're going to go forward with this and like you're going to have different lawsuits and they're going to say okay well he can't be on the ballot here right so if you have states saying he can't be on the ballot because we think we've got something with the 14th amendment Then that has to go, what, all the way through the courts? Are we going to wind up with a constitutional crisis? Is that what they want? It's pretty frightening. I don't know what they want. They seem to want to control us. They want to control our kids. They want our money with higher and higher taxes. They want to confuse everyone. There's now talk of additional lockdowns coming. You know how I feel about those. These are unprecedented, difficult, scary times. And we've got a crew there that's so old and so entrenched in this elite establishment gravy train where they, they really don't care about you or me or anyone else other than themselves. And like Hillary Clinton said... They're going to fight no matter what, right? They're going to cling on no matter what. That That's a frightening mandate, really. I want to go out to some of your comments. Um, it, it's just great to have all of you here again as we go into this holiday weekend. I, I hope you get a little time off for Labor Day. But anyway, I, I, I see, yeah, I think a lot of you do agree with me. And you're not fans of California. I get it. I get it. Anyway, uh, people are asking about Hawaii. I I see that um, CG is concerned about Hawaii. I I understand and and sympathize with that because, you know, what we have to worry about there and we had to worry about, you know, the the graft member in New Orleans after Katrina and FEMA and the, the things not really happening and the money going to the wrong places because I'm sorry, but like the government is not the best use of capital in general. Right. And, and there's a lot of cronyism, cronyism that we have to worry about. And I think that that's going to be a real, uh, a real story. I agree with you, CJ going forward. Uh, Mark is worried about, well, what we're all worried about. I see that Mark Johnson, because it looks like there's going to be some development. I mean, I, I don't want to go too far out on the limb on this story. I'm just going to say that. Like, I, I think that we are seeing some lockdowns around the country and they're worried about the new variant, et cetera. And there's lots of talk of, okay, we're going to have to go to back to masks and this and that. And there's a lot of people very fearful that this is very intentional. They're trying to get the population sort of used to this so that next fall they can do it again. And then, you know, everybody has to stay home and have mail-in ballots and blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't think, but again, you know, I'm just using my New Hampshire common sense here I don't think that's a strategy that works because I think people got really angry with those lockdowns and they got really angry told being told they had to wear masks all the time and they couldn't go somewhere without proof of the vaccination. This actually really infuriated a lot of people, including a lot of people in the middle, right? Like this was not just a, and, and people on the left. I mean, there were people on the left that were saying like, this is just getting ridiculous. And so I think it's a poor political strategy but if the conspiracy theorists you know, are, are true like or, or have any leg to stand on here, then that would be pretty alarming. Like, Would they actually try and do I, I certainly hope not. I think politically it should be a disastrous strategy. But you never know, right, with these people. You really don't. I, I would be shocked. I, I'm happy to eat my word. Well, I'm not happy to eat my words on this. Let me tell you, I would be really surprised if they actually did that to us this fall because I think the political backlash – would be massive, like nothing they have seen, nothing they have seen. But these are people who seem to be willing to uh, take a lot on. And as I said, be willing to put us into some kind of constitutional crisis if need be. So make sure you subscribe. It's really important. If uh, you get a chance, it would be wonderful if you would go over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and follow the show there. It's all free. And I'd love to have you join me there too. And, and even if you don't listen to it over there, it just, it helps if you subscribe and especially if you can leave a nice review and maybe five stars. Anyway, I love seeing you all here again. Thanks for being here. And we'll, we'll, we'll catch up over the weekend at some point or certainly on Monday. Love seeing you. We'll talk soon.